Hello and welcome to the Society of Petroleum Engineers Gulf Coast Section podcast. The section was founded in 1935 and now has over 11,000 members. It is a volunteer organization that provides member forums to upgrade and maintain professional competency. You can find more about the ongoing initiatives, webinars, events, and other member resources at spegcs.org. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the SPE Gulf Coast Section podcast. I'm Michael Gaines and glad you're joining us today as we have a conversation uh, about energy and technology and the tech space and what that looks like uh, now, especially that, uh, especially in the fact that we have uh, a continued growth in both spaces and uh, a congruence of, of energy and technology. So in order to help us understand a little bit more and uh, have a, a, a more focused conversation on that, we have our guest today, uh, Kayla Ball, who is the SVP for product at Valadeer. So Kayla, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. All right. So uh, I wanted to, to jump in. So I am a, a real big a fan of, of the tech space. And uh, it happens to be that I'm also in the energy world. And, uh, and so I think today's conversation where we are talking about uh, some of the, the commonalities or things that they, they share in common, um, I think that's really, uh, uh, really insightful and really exciting uh, just personally. And I, I know that there are many in our, our audience who uh, share that, uh, that same perspective. So um, before we dive into deep, I, I always think it's important for folks to kind of understand who they're, who they're listening to. So uh, Kayla, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about um, your role and a little bit about your background as well. Sure. Um, so I'm SVP of product at Valadeer. That means a lot of different things on any given day. <laughs> um, responsible for setting product strategy, responsible for overseeing our development um, organization as well. So making sure that we're building the right things and that we're building the things right, um, essentially. And I have a, a weird background. I think most people in product management always have a weird background because there is no formal education in product management. No one comes out of school with a product degree. Right. Um, so a lot of us are, are converted along the way. I'll say that. Um, my formal education is in geology. I went to Texas A&M and got my undergrad in geology, um, which was a really interesting experience because we were a very um, hard rock, old school program, right? So you know, we would be in our field mapping exercises and we were out there in our, with our brunt and compasses and doing everything with paper and pencil. And, and we'd come across other departments who had their GPS and had tablets out and, and things like that. And so it was a real shock to the system when, you know, I thought because I had the highest grades and, and was the best in my class and things like contouring and paper mapping and things like that, that I was going to be this hot commodity when I came mm. out of school, right? And then my first job interview, uh, I went and interviewed with a company called SMT, and they were uh, working on subsurface interpretation software. And so my first interview, I figured out that 
computers could actually do all the contouring (laughs) for you. (laughs) And it was, uh, it was definitely extremely frightening for for many reasons for me. Um, So, you know, I, I took a job with essentially SMT, which was a technology firm at the time and um, got into the software energy space uh, day one. So yeah, definitely, (laughs) definitely a weird path to Mm. start out on, but yeah. So, I mean, and and I think that's interesting. And and just in recent, uh, recent weeks, I've talked to, to others that have uh, had a transition from a a pure energy uh, perspective or excuse me, a pure energy role to, to one that uh, combines the, the background, uh, whether they're a petroleum engineer or reservoir engineer and, and moving into the, the tech space. Um, and so those, those transitions, I think, are, are interesting. Can you share maybe a, and dive in a little more into what the transition looked like for you as you moved into the uh, more the technology space, but of course, drawing on your, your background? For sure, for sure. Well, I think a lot of the intersection between energy and tech um, does happen in the software space. And for me, you know, it was a baptism by fire, essentially figuring out, oh, this is how software is made. This is how it works, you know, behind the curtain. Because I think a lot of people look at their technology products and, um, almost take it for granted in a way, the the ease of use, how streamlined everything is, how at your fingertips and ready for consumption everything is, there's a lot of planning that goes into that space. And so the more I was exposed to development organizations, how software was built, how it was maintained, how it was deployed, um, the more I started realizing that it's the exact same mindset around a lot of the physical engineering uh, problems that we try to solve from a domain perspective, right? And I find that tech and energy people in general are very similar um, because we both approach things from, you know, trying to solve problems using a scientific method right? So you have a hypothesis on why a certain thing is the way it is. You have, you know, your ideas around how you think it could be done better. And you start just going through the experimentation process of trying to prove those thoughts wrong along the way. So, you know, things like physical engineering projects and, you know, even into something like well planning, it's the same approach and the same mindset around building an application or enhancing portions of code. Mm. That, that's interesting in that, you know, as you say, as, as different as things are, or as, as um, you know, discreet as, you know, the, the approach to writing a line of code or otherwise, you know, interpreting a, a, some, some data from a, a, a reservoir or, or something along those lines that, Really, the approach to solving the problem there's there's a, a, a commonality there, um, and I, I like there's a, a line that uh, that you mentioned before uh, when you were talking about the idea of of really work even more broadly. The idea that you know things are can be complex, but they're not complicated, and I, I, I that really resonates with me 
Can you can you talk a little more about that? Because I, I think that's that's important for for me, I, I think, but I think for many others as well to to really uh, dive into that. Right, for sure. I was listening to a podcast a few months ago, and and the title really you know jumped out at me, and it was you know where there is mystery, there is margin, right? So I think a lot of businesses, a lot of industries operate on this level of opacity where, um, you know, the lack of transparency gives a lot of competitive edge, gives a lot of power to certain companies, certain individuals, things like that. And I find that, you know, and, and I come from a primarily upstream background. I've worked in upstream sector for, you know, close to 15 years. Now I find myself working on midstream and refining um, projects, which was very um, intimidating to me, right? Because it's not my comfort zone. It's nothing that I've ever seen before. And so when you first get introduced to a lot of these different sectors or a lot of different business practices, you uh, have a little bit of sticker shock, right? Where it's like, oh, I don't know if I can help with these things because I don't have the education or the formal background in them. A little imposter and syndrome, right? For sure, for sure. And, and I think also, you know, being from the scientific community, I think we as individuals struggle a little bit with that imposter syndrome because we've spent four to eight years really honing in on a specific craft, a specific level of expertise. And so to take us out of that comfort zone can be really intimidating for a lot of individuals. And I'm probably the poster child for, for exposing myself into other in, uh, aspects of the industry, other sectors, other problems. And really when you get down to the root of it, yes, it's a very complex system, right? Like we deal with a, an extremely complex supply chain from upstream to midstream to downstream. Those are all you know, functional businesses and industries in themselves. And what I find is that none of the problems are actually complicated when you start looking at them, right? Um, they all have a root cause. They're all ripe for disruption. And it's just about picking the methodology and the approach of how you want to go about solving those problems. Um, and also, you know, really being able to raise your hand and say, I don't understand what I'm looking at, right? Like, I don't have a degree in chemistry. Can you please explain this as if you were going to explain it to a seven-year-old? Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time, people are more than willing, right? Like, there are subject matter experts, there are industry experts, and I find, you know, the great thing about energy professionals in general is that we love the science of it, right? And mm -hmm. we will explain it as long as you let us on most days. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my motto is, yeah. yes, it's, it's pretty complicated or it's pretty complex. It can be intimidating, but at the end of the day, once you start to peel back the layers of the onion, it's not that complicated to get things done. That's interesting. I, that reminds me, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, thinking more on the business side, but I think uh, even Warren Buffett, his annual letter to shareholders, I think his approach is when he writes it, uh, it should be written as though he's, you're writing it to your grandmother. So yeah. that, that may not have any really understanding. But the idea being that while there are great, a lot of detail and complexity in the myriad of businesses that are run, uh, it's, it's not 
it, it's complex, but it's not complicated. And I, I, I certainly agree with your, your sentiment yeah. there. Well, and it's, it's kind of the same way when you think about the tech space too, right? Um, I would say the hardest part about, you know, application and program development is that we are solving complex problems with technology, but you have to make it so stupid simple to use from an interface perspective. And most of what the teams spend their cycle time thinking about, you know, we have um, user experience, user interface design professionals that are researching, how do we take something that takes someone, you know, seven to 10 steps to complete from a task perspective and trim that down as much as possible to where, you know, when you're working on the apps on your phone, there, there's a lot of research and a lot of discussion that goes into making Uber Eats easy to use, right? Making it easy to order your groceries online. Um, that is the hardest part of, of any type of development is approaching it from an end user perspective while solving critical problems. Mm. So a couple of uh, things that, that come to mind uh, as we've been talking is I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, of really kind of two, two camps. Um, we've got folks that are just now entering the, the workforce in uh, a, a space that is quite um, challenging in terms of a, a, a market standpoint. Of course, things are, at, at the time of this recording, things are starting to rebound to a certain degree, which is great, but it's, it's still a, a challenging time to enter, really, I would say almost any any uh, any industry, and then we've got those kind of on the other side of the spectrum that are are starting either uh, at the peak of their career or starting to look towards um, uh, retirement or or taking on a, maybe a, a second uh, second act, as as some like to say. So maybe starting with the first group of, of folks that are just coming into uh, the workforce, or maybe they're a, a new. Uh, engineering graduate, maybe there's someone that, uh, you know, like yourself that are, are making a, a move to a new space. How, how, what are some things that you would give to those individuals, things that maybe you can draw on from your early career and experiences that, that you find helpful? Yeah, for sure. And let me just turn my motion back on. <laughs> sure. Sitting at the desk for many, for many hours at a time, my office thinks that I'm not physically present anymore. Um, so there's a couple of areas of advice and, and, you know, I've got family members graduating, you know, with petroleum engineering degrees, with geology degrees and, you know, looking to see what's out there, what's available, right? I think the industry is in a situation of a new normal, you know, we're never going to go back to large um, organizations, again, everyone is going to continue to run lean. It's about doing more with less. And so I think when you think of that capital constraint and, and kind of the shrinkage in general, I typically recommend um, diversifying your skill set. And the interesting thing about that is uh, education and training and skill set uh, building is easier now than it ever has been previously, right? Mm -hmm. I remember um, when I went into my MBA program, 
it was one of the first years where they were starting to even offer online courses as a related to graduate school. And so I was still going onto campus every night <laughs> during my studying, uh, you know, with groups at the library or, or wherever we could physically meet up. And what I've noticed is that there are a lot more certifications, not like two, four year degree plans that you have to embark on. There are a lot of free tutorials around, here's how to learn how to write Python code, right? Here's how to do SQL queries. Here's software development basics 101. Here's a certificate around data science um, or even full on data science business analytics programs that exist now, right? And so um, I always encourage, um, and this is just, you know, from my own personal bias, getting an MBA was one of the best things I've ever done for myself personally. Mm. Um, it gave me such a different perspective into turn in terms of how to run my own personal business, brand, finances, um, and really all of the motions at play when you start to look at corporations and, and industries in general. And so it was having those perspectives that gave me an idea of really where I wanted to focus, right? Like if you have exposure to marketing, if you have exposure to product development, if you have exposure to finance, you can really start to see where you're drawn to, right? From, from a, a skill set and an interest perspective. And I also am a firm believer around, and, and I even do this in my own organization, when I go to hire individuals, I'm not looking for a domain expertise background as much as I am the intrinsic qualities of solving problems, mm -hmm. right? Do you have a curious mind? Are you willing to think outside of your functional lane, right, of, Here's a problem. We don't know how to solve it. Someone has to figure it out. Do you have the curiosity and the respect for the process along the way to, you know, essentially take ownership of that, take accountability of it, and run it through, um, you know, the process to the end. Mm. I, I think that's really powerful and a great reminder that problems don't know. Uh, your your resume problems only know uh, someone who's jumping in with the ability or or in tenacity to to solve it. So that's that's a really great reminder uh, for for us all. I think that's really good. Right. Um, so so then you know as as I sort of pivot and think about some of the interactions that you're able to to have with uh, with folks uh, across the spectrum. I, I suspect that you're able to to look ahead and and think through and see those that uh, may be in a place of uh, having many years behind them. Um, as as you look at, at at maybe that that space, what are some things that you would want to share with those that may, you know, may say, "Hey, I've been in this industry for 20 years," Wh whether it's tech industry or both. Uh, or, or energy or both, uh, you know, I've, I've been here for a while. How do I help position myself to take advantage of this intersection of, of tech and, and energy? What, what can I do to lend uh, the skills that I've built over these many years for where we are today? How, how would you maybe encourage someone in that space? 
Yeah. And a lot of times, <clears throat> I mean, look, I've, I've read a lot of resumes um, and I'm just not a resume type of person. I'm way more interested in interactions, conversations, because you can tell a lot more about people than what's on paper. Mm. And so I would encourage, and you know, I see it on LinkedIn. I see it coming through our job boards when we have postings, um, reach out to these people directly. I 100% respond to every single person who asks me to have a conversation mm. about, Hey, I've applied for this role. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this move into a different industry or, you know, how do you think about certain skill sets that I might have that would be applicable to other fields? And if you have a conversation about it, you're way more likely to get really direct and candid feedback. And that person is also uh, more drawn to you as an individual, right? Not, not what's on paper, but really what could you be useful for what is your background what's your skill set and how does it apply to the problems that they're currently working through right and my favorite question to go through with people in an interview process is you know tell me about a project that was very daunting for you to be a part of maybe it was an individual effort maybe it was a collective team effort tell me how you thought about something um, from the beginning and things that you learned along the way and, and then tell me how the end result turned out because that will give you the cognitive understanding of how this individual thinks about solving problems. And really that's what we're all doing in a business function. We may be solving very different problems, small problems, big problems, but everyone every day is working on some form or fashion of problem solving. Hmm. Man, well, that, that is a great way to, uh, I think, round out this part of our conversation. I know that in our next episode, we'll talk about ESG and get some of your perspectives on that. So look forward to that. But for, uh, for this conversation, uh, really appreciate you sharing your perspectives and thoughts on, on uh, energy and tech and some of the, the ways that uh, we have, there's a similarity underneath, which it sounds like in your case, you've been really able to, to capitalize on that and appreciate you sharing your perspectives uh, in that space. So I've been speaking with Kayla Ball, the SVP of product at Valadir. So thank you, Kayla. Yep, definitely, anytime. And I think, you know, my, my number one motto is just put yourself out there, right? Don't don't get in your own head around what you're capable of and what your expertise or, or what your value is because someone will look at it very differently than how you're looking at it today. Absolutely. Great. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Society of Petroleum Engineers Gulf Coast Section podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the upcoming events or resources available, or if you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode and have suggestions for future topics, feel free to contact us at spegcspodcast at spe.org.